quit it. Oh, okay. Um, so we realize that we we recorded out of order. So we actually recorded our next episode before we did this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're going to notice <laughs> we are still figuring out how to use mics. And yep. baby Nicole over here is still learning audio stuff. So A, let's applaud me. Way to go, for Nicole. being For learning a new skill and yes. for making lots yes. of mistakes. And I'm just excited that you guys all get to be part of the struggle. We're agile about this. We're agile. We learn, we we do, we learn, and... Uh, and we grow, hopefully. And we grow. Yeah. So, um, I guess we can get started now. Let's get started. Yeah. All right. This is Burn This Book, a banned books book club where we, Nicole and Eden, read a banned or challenged book twice a month and discuss its meaning, impact, and censorship to make it more accessible for all readers. This month's book is The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain, which was published in 1884. This book has been challenged for three decades. So let's talk about good old Huck Finn. Let's talk about Huck Finn. All right, what is this book about? So <laughs> technically it is a sequel mm-hmm. to The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, mm-hmm. but I don't think you need to read Tom Sawyer to read Huck Finn because actually when I read this in high school for English class, uh, we did not read Tom Sawyer. Mm. We just jumped right into Huck Finn. Mm. Um, so Huck Finn is a, a character in from... Tom Sawyer, and he obviously gets the spotlight in this book. He, at the end of Tom Sawyer, they come into some treasure. So Huck Finn is now wealthy. He's a southern boy through and through. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up impoverished. Imp- impo- well, impoverished. <laughs> Improvident. Improvished. <laughs> he grew up doing improv. <laughs> Yes, and (laughs) that is kind of true. true, Like Tom Sawyer, kind of had his prankster. He's a big prankster. He uh, had like a boys' club where they had Mm -hmm. to. Well, Tom's like, you have to kill someone in order to come into my boys' club. It's like, okay, Tom, calm down. Um, But Huck Finn has been adopted by uh, the widow. She's just a lady who had been widowed. Yeah, we don't need him. She was very, um, very, very polite lady, very um, classy very person classy. for that era, especially compared to Huck, who was and like his dad was a drunk and neglected him. So Huckleberry Finn never had to go to school and he just kind of lived off the land. Mm-hmm. And all the other boys were pretty jealous of him. So when he was adopted, he like had like a proper Christian upbringing. Yeah. Finally. And he th- like... He always talks about how the widow wants to civilize him. And that, mm-hmm. that becomes very important. That's an important theme in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple of things happen where uh, his dad comes back in the picture because he hears that Huck has some money now. Mm-hmm. Um, his dad is very abusive and essentially just uh, locks Huck away in a little hut. Um, so I'm uh, my memory is a little foggy but i think huck does something where the dad was away and huck had a uh had a window of uh escape huck fakes his own death and he fakes his own death he makes yep. it seem like he was murdered and so like he even went as far as to i th- 
uh, like pull out some of his own hair and stick mm-hmm. it on the axe. Yeah. Because like he's, he's, he's a clever guy. boy. Yeah. Yep. Clever. Yeah. Um, he thought through that and then he just runs away. And he, um, in the process of running away, he bumps into Jim, who is an enslaved, enslaved man who is also running away because mm-hmm. he heard his enslaver was planning on selling him. And the person who enslaved him was, um, like, his current master was the widow. Wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Who's the widow that Huck is living with? The same lady. It's the same lady? Yeah. yeah. I don't think I caught that. <laughs> so, anyways, and because Jim is black and he is a slave, the people obviously decide to, and he disappeared around the same time as Huck, he's framed for Huck's murder. So, if Jim ever returns, he will be tried as a murderer mm-hmm. and kidnapper. And so, we see, we it's kind of like the Odyssey, but we see Huck and Jim go on all these adventures. The goal was to get Jim up north. But Huck, um, but because of different things, they start, they just go deeper and deeper into the South. And we know that Missouri is kind of, it's not the Midwest, but it's, it's basically like, it's just right on the edge. So their whole thinking was no one could assume that Jim was on the run if they were going deeper, deeper South, Mm because that doesn't make any sense. And through that experience, they meet like, all these crazy people. They meet these con men who try to do all these things. They encounter um, relatives of Tom Sawyer's, and they they just keep getting into like these crazy slams and all two, these two feuding families. Yeah, like crazy. It's like a very fun. It's very much like the Odyssey, where they just keep meeting these new groups, and they have to like overcome them before they can get to their space. But during this time, you see these two people especially Huck having to grapple with the most existential questions and questions about morality. And so you see that kind of fight. And before we get into like the the goods of the book, I want to share two things. Is that okay, Eden? Yeah, totally. Cool. Um, so Huckleberry Finn, Mark Twain wrote Huckleberry Finn after his childhood friend. Um, and his childhood friend was named... Tom Blankenship. <laughs> and and um, so this is uh, an article written by this is Esther Lombardi for Thoughts Company. Co? Thoughtco? Thoughtco. Whatever. Um, but I have read this in other places too. So I'm hoping it's true and I should follow it. But anyways, um, on January 25th, 1885, Mark Twain conducted an interview with the Minnesota Tribune, in which he claimed that Huckleberry Finn was not inspired or based upon any one person. But Mark Twain later claimed that a childhood acquaintance named Tom Blankenship was the original inspiration. Tom Blankenship lived, grew up in Hannibal, Missouri. He was friends with Mark. And in his autobiography, Mark Twain wrote, In Huckleberry Finn, I have drawn Tom Blankenship exactly as he was. He was ignorant, unwashed, insufficiently fed, but he had a good heart, as good a heart as ever any boy had. His liberties were totally unrestricted. He was the only really independent person, boy or man, in the community. And by consequence, he was tranquilly and continuously happy and envied by the rest of us. And as his society was forbidden us by our parents, the prohibition trebled and quadrupled its value. 
and therefore we sought and got more of his society than any other boys. So all these boys were like obsessed with him and we get that vibe in Tom Sawyer. Like Huckleberry Finn is the boy that Tom wants. He's like, I'm not going to be able to do this adventure without Hook. Like Huck is the key factor in all of these plans. And Tom is like this crazy person who's just like down for anything. No, no risks. Mm-hmm. Um, but my second point has to do with Val Kilmer. Oh. <laughs> Are you ready for this? I am ready. <laughs> who actually kind of looks like an older Jonathan Taylor Thomas who played Tom Sawyer in The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Mm-hmm. Anyways, in the movie Tombstone, uh-huh. which is very famous. Uh-huh. Um, and Val Kil- Never Kilmer. Never heard of it. Oh, my gosh. Val Kilmer plays Doc Holliday, and it's about, like, the famous shooting in, in the OK Corral. Hmm. Um, it's fine. But um, he plays Doc Holliday, and there's this line in it that's just, like, iconic for film lovers, where he says, and this has been disputed very largely on the internet this year. Like, so many Whoa. people are really upset about this. Uh-huh. He, like, when one of the cowboys who are, like, the evil group come out, he comes out of the bar and he's like, or something. But he says, I'm your Huckleberry. And everyone's like, what the heck does that mean? Why is he saying I'm your Huckleberry? And it's become like this catchphrase for people. They like love it. Mm-hmm. Me and my family did a deep dive on this uh-huh. recently. And it's because Huckleberry, it should have been written Hucklebearer. And all these people on the internet were like, he actually said Hucklebearer. He didn't. The person who wrote the script really did write Huckleberry uh, in reference to Huckleberry Finn. Hmm. But the f- term comes from a Hucklebearer. A Huckle is um, is like a Paul, like a, you know, a Paul bearer. Yeah. It's the same thing. So he's saying, I'm your Paul bearer, which means I'm like, I'm there when you die. I'll be there in all of these situations. I'm your friend from the beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. I'm your come along friend, basically. Mm-hmm. So Val Kilmer, so Huckleberry Finn literally acts as that come along friend hmm. for Tom Sawyer and for Jim, which mm. is very interesting. Like he is such a, like, he, he'll be your huckleberry. Yeah. So that's like a cool, fun thing because there's been a lot of internet happenings of my boomer community uh-huh. who have just been posting that being like, he said, I'm your huckleberry because of this. But he didn't actually say that. He said, I'm your huckleberry. But the person who wrote the script should have written huckleberry. Yeah. But they didn't know. It's just crazy. <laughs> crazy is, things. Whoa. I know. So kind of fun, right? That is That is super fun. Yeah. And we see that in this book because... Huck is down for anything in the beginning of the book and through Tom Sawyer. But we see that evolve throughout yeah. this book where he starts to, to draw lines in the sand mm-hmm. and decide what he's up for and what he's not. Yeah. He's starting to stand up for some... He, he's starting to form some values in this mm-hmm. book. So it's very much a coming-of-age book Yeah, of this boy who is growing up in what he believes is a civilized society Mm -hmm. civilized society tells him to wear uncomfortable clothes it tells him to say please and thank you and it tells him to turn in runaway slaves Mm -hmm. but as he is traveling more and more with jim he's uh realizing the humanity of jim Mm -hmm. and the kindness of jim um and even there are some parts of the book where he plays pranks on Jim and he feels super bad about it afterwards because of how kind Jim was to him even throughout those pranks. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to do these pranks anymore. Um, you could argue that Jim's kind of a huckleberry. 
yeah for hook you could you could (laughs) yeah and there's a turning point also as jim talks to huck more and more about his own family who he's trying to free as well when he gets freed and you see that turning point in in yeah huck seeing his humanity there's a quote by ralph waldo emerson who said of twain's work that huckleberry finn knew as did mark twain that jim was not only a slave but a human being and a symbol of humanity and in freeing jim huck made a bid to free himself of the conventionalized evil taken for civilization by the town Hmm. and i think that we see that a lot in in when we talk about religion Mm -hmm. when we talk about the current laws that are being passed um even book banning like people do it in the name of like this is the higher power this is the higher law this is the higher ideal i mean i read this book when um when Roe v. Wade was overturned. And there's a part in the book when Huck realizes he'd rather, like, even though the church sanctioned slavery at that time, Mm -hmm. the church had sanctioned slavery, and he knew that it was unchristian of him to try to free someone's property, he made the decision that he would rather go to hell Mm -hmm. than then return Jim to the widow. And yeah. he had that, he realizes that the morality of the laws in his land, that is the civilized nature, was not actually civilized. And he, he, yeah, makes that choice. I, I guess I'm going to hell then. Yeah. I guess my soul is damned if I choose, and I, because I'm choosing Jim, and I'd rather choose Jim over the laws of Missouri. Mm-hmm. And um, I was thinking about that because like passing those, like overturning, like abortion laws and things like that like a woman's health is incredibly complicated Mm -hmm. and um like incredibly complicated yeah and we have no idea what a woman is going through when she is making those decisions um that law to me is immoral now to criminalize Mm -hmm. abortion or the privacy of making those choices and it it's an interesting space to be in when you believe that your laws of your land are immoral. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that with people, especially with religion. I mean, I'm always thinking that, of, like, I can't be responsible for my institution. I can't be responsible for my government. I can only be responsible for me. But there comes a point when when we have to just say, like, well, I'd rather go to hell than uphold these hateful uh-huh. <laughs> belief systems or, you know, support that or whatever. And, like, Huck is such an amazing example of that as a young boy. Mm-hmm. Like, he's really taking it seriously. And it's, like, it's a really powerful book for a high schooler to read. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much admir- admirable about Huck mm-hmm. Finn. And I did get a little lost in the middle of the book a bit with the con men. <laughs> I, they were conning me yeah. at certain points where I was like, I don't know what's true anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are they really a king and a duke? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think there are great examples of people who are um, like the, the feuding families, mm-hmm. I think are a great example of holding on to tradition without understanding Mm -hmm. it or even questioning it um so there's a the basically huck and jim come across two families who are feuding and they've been feuding Mm -hmm. for decades and uh the kids don't even know why Mm -hmm. um and so huck is really confused like well if you don't know why then why are you still fighting um and i think that is 
excellent commentary on the traditions that we uphold in society as well, Mm -hmm. where we say, oh, this is because this is the way it has always been, or those are the values that um, are God-given and um, um, Mm -hmm. just, like, unquestionable. Yeah. But Huck, Huck provides that space for us to question those values to question those traditions and to basically uh like like you were saying nicole ask those questions of like oh do i actually want to be part Mm -hmm. of this organization society whatever um or is this a place for me to pave my own path go west Mm -hmm. as he does at the end and um make something else out of his life yeah and I think um when we're having these conversations I think there's so much room for activism in these spaces and I think that that is so important because we look at these examples of Huck and Tom Mm -hmm. Tom is such a boy he's like just having a good time yeah at one point in the book the con men sell Jim Mm -hmm. and they end up selling Jim to this family and um and Tom has to, I mean, Huck has to pretend to be a girl to get in with this family, right? No. That's Dang another it. part. Huck, <laughs> Huck pretends oh, to be Tom. again. Huck pretends to be Tom. Because it turns out this is Tom's aunt and uncle. Yeah. In a zippy and unexpected twist, yeah. it turns out it is Tom's relatives and Tom's on his way to visit them. Mm-hmm. So when Tom arrives, he's like, oh my gosh, yeah, let's, let's, I'm going to help you free Jim because mm-hmm. Huck has this whole plan. And so they work together, they free Jim, and then they, and it's a whole thing. It's really stressful. Like, life and death is on the line for Huck and Jim. And Tom gets invested. It's pretty cool. Tom gets shot, too. Yeah, it's horrible. And then we find out the whole time that Jim had been freed, that his owner had died, and that in the will, Jim was freed. Mm -hmm. And so Tom wasn't really doing anything he was just having an adventure like he wasn't doing anything courageous yeah he was there for the adventure he was he was he was playing with them playing with them for his own selfish reasons um he felt like an like a con man in the making yeah um and the the really telling part of uh of that particular scene as well well uh telling of tom's nature but also of jim's where I think Tom was like bleeding out mm-hmm. and Jim had the choice of either getting the doctor or staying quiet. Because yeah. if he went to get a doctor, he then exposes himself as a runaway. And so he um, he decides against his own desires mm-hmm. and he goes and gets a doctor for Tom. Um, and so that's another thing f- for... That's another... Uh, a point for shoot what am i trying to say <laughs> a point against civilized society essentially because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. tom is still very much within the workings of civilized society um and being a punk about it mm-hmm. just like the con men and just like the feuding families and here's jim who is technically living outside of civilized so- yeah he's living outside of civilized society and yet he's acting out of selflessness and compassion and compassion yeah and might we add the note too that the con men go by the name the king and was it the duke mm-hmm. or something like that and which are the highest levels of civilization yeah according to 
colonization and all those things. So, so we see all of those different like themes playing out. And I just think that overall, the book is wonderful. I love it. I had read it in high school. I'd read Tom Sawyer in fifth grade. And I remember being like, I'm so attracted to Tom. He's such a babe. He's so cute. And also the fact that Jonathan Taylor Thomas was in the movie. I was like, yes. Uh-huh. And then the move when I read it in high school, I like really, it was so moving. It was so like, oh my gosh, I have these questions. It was, a, it's a great book. And I think adults should read it. Like rereading it, I was like, whoa, this is a book for my time. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. What like... It doesn't necessarily tell you what to do with the civilization that you're in, but it does tell you, like... It's okay to question it. It's okay to acknowledge that it's immoral, and we do see those laws change eventually. Granted, this book was written at the height of Jim, of Reconstruction and the beginnings of Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. And so we still see, like, systemic racism. Nothing has really changed except that the word slavery is no longer being used. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also see the KKKs on the rise. And so when Mark Twain writes this book, he's really challenging a ton of things that are happening. And it's mm-hmm. a huge statement about the Deep South. Um, and I just think I just love it so much. But I really did believe that Tom killed jo- Jim at the end of the book. <laughs> I really like after like years after I read it I was like yeah it's so messed up and I was like I'm not looking forward to reading this Hayden because yeah. I know Tom's gonna kill Jim uh-huh. I read it and I was like where's that part I, like reread reread the last chapter and I was like did I read like a different like a, a fanfic like mm-hmm. what's going on <laughs> and it never happened so I don't know what I had imagined or where that came from yeah I think that's where it gets dangerous about books is that sometimes we have false memories mm. based off of our emotional response I think I was so upset about Tom yeah. That I probably had just like really taken the book to another level. Yeah. And I think that we can insert those false memories. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be careful about that when we're projecting media on other people unless we know for sure. Yeah. And I was so confident, but I'm so glad I reread it. Yeah. Because it's ended completely differently than I had remembered it having ended. Yeah. So that's just something like to, to flag is like as humans, we are we are fallible. <laughs> we are. In and of themselves. But you were probably just thinking like, oh, like Tom Sawyer, he's back in the picture. Holy cow, he's a punk. Oh my gosh, what's he going to do now? He's probably going to murder Jim. I think I was just really disappointed because I was so in love with him. And then it turned out that he was a loser. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I also read this in high school. And so the way it is written, Mark Twain does write it phonetically Mm. in the in southern um, dialects. Yeah, that he uses call- a ton of different Southern, like, a, a, it's like every single person has a different dialect and you can, like, the it's brilliantly written because mm-hmm. linguistically you can see traces of each different person's, like, background. Yeah. And where they're going deeper and deeper in the South. Yeah. But it is massively difficult it to was, read. It was difficult for me to read in high school. Uh, I did listen to this on audiobook, and it was read by Elijah Wood. What? Yeah. It was very interesting. Oh, I'd kill for that. And um, I would recommend that because it does kind of help you listen. Well, mm-hmm. obviously listen. But it helps you hear it better than reading it. Because mm. half the time I would have to read it out loud in school to actually understand the sentence that was being said. Mm, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. But I like back to what you were saying about like the, the like the, the language used. Mm-hmm. That's why I think it was banned. I think so too. 
Um, it got to the point, because I also listened to it, that the N-word, because the N-word is used so frequently, mm-hmm. so frequently, at first I was like incredible, like it was very uncomfortable for me. By the end, it had normalized it. Yeah. Not that I'm like using it now at all. Not at all. But it had it had kind of softened the blow of mm-hmm. that word for me. Because of how frequently Because of how used. frequently it was used. Yeah. And I, I don't love that. Mm-hmm. Like, I really hate that I've been desensitized to it to that extent. Yeah. And so, um, and as a teacher, I'd be curious how teachers do the. I don't remember us reading it out loud with the N-word. I don't remember. I, I know we talked about the N-word being a slur and it being truly heinous. And we talked about its roots and things like that. But I'm, I'd be curious how teachers deal with it. Yeah. In classrooms today. I'm trying to remember if my teachers read it out loud and I want to say they did and I want to say they used mm-hmm. the words, but they prefaced it as well. Yeah. Um, they prefaced it by saying like, hey, this is a racial slur. Um, but I'm going to read this as it is written. Uh, and so that does mean they did put on a southern accent as well because. Whoa. Well, that's kind of how it comes out when you do read it phonetically. Yeah, that's true. So it's just like it came out Southern and then um, there were racial slurs as well. Those New Englanders, I tell you what, I don't feel like my teacher ever said the N-word. I don't like we didn't read frequently out of that book. Yeah. It was like if it was an important passage, then they would they wouldn't Mm. insert the word N-word. Yeah. The phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get it. I wonder. Yeah. Fascinating. All right, let's look up why it was banned. Why was... Okay. Immediately after publication, the book was banned on the recommendation of public commissioners in Concord, Massachusetts, who described it as racist, coarse, trashy, inelegant, irreligious, obsolete, inaccurate, and mindless. Oh, my gosh. Let's see what people are saying these days. Oh. Oh my gosh. Some people said um, back in 2005, there are complaints about the book, um, including that it is unsuitable for young children and it has homosexual overtones. <laughs> did, not, did not get that. <laughs> I guess if you're really searching for it. Yeah. But no. No. Um, that's so strange. They all just call it offensive language. Huh. It, it, I do feel like, like the book would have value without, like, I know he was, he's an American realist, so he's trying to portray America, like Mark Twain is, Mm -hmm. as, you know, as authentically and realistically and all those things and twist it the way it needs to for us to really understand the tone of America. Mm -hmm. But like... It probably could have been done without. Yeah. And I get that it was written in the 1800s, but like I... I'm really coming out with like all these like pro-censorship vibes. But (laughs) I like I wouldn't be... I wouldn't lose sleep over being offered an option like I would like to have both options of like this is the the full Huckleberry Finn radio edit the here's the radio edit where we've cut out half of the n-words yeah you know or yeah like that would not 
that wouldn't damage my feelings. I mean, I mean, there's like a First Amendment thing there, but I also think like just having both those options mm-hmm. would have been nice just because I do feel like the desensitization is the thing I'm so sad about. Yeah. Um, is that it just became so normalized in the book for me. Yeah. I would agree with you. But I, but I also, yeah, but I do think having this conversation, that was very helpful. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. I think that that's another one where like everyone needs to make their own choice on how they want to proceed mm-hmm. with this book. And I think um, I just don't. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, I hesitate being like, yeah, I think that they should publish uh, a version without um, all of the N words. Yeah. Because I don't want to be that person that's like pushing for. I could also see like an argument. Well, I don't want to be like coming off as pro-racial slurs. <laughs> right, right, right. But to show how prevalent yeah. the institutionalized racism was yeah. in society, in civilized society back then. Yeah. Um, in language, yeah, the in language, language. Yeah, the whole language was wrapped is around using that word casually. Yeah. And it still is in certain parts of the South. Mm. Like where I lived in Louisiana, I mean, uh, people would like create new words out of the N-word because mm. they knew I was offended by the N-word. And so they would create like variations. Ew. Yeah. And um, and I'd be curious if I wasn't in the room what those spaces would be like. And these were people highly educated, normal, you know, mm-hmm. normal that's so messed up on my part. These are like highly educated um, individuals individuals and families who have who share a lot of the same values that I do that I would think are progressive. And yet they just can't get over this. Mm-hmm. They can't get over the racism stuff, which, in my opinion, completely poisons all the other. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it's in general, hard. I would recommend this book, though. A trillion percent, I think everyone needs to read it. I think that phrase, I mean, even this article that I'm pulling up shared that it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Um, this website called Books on the Wall, mm-hmm. period. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the phrase, all right, then I'll go to hell is, um, is in chapter 31 of the book. And they're saying it's the, amongst the most memorable in American literature. And it really was. Like, it was a turning point in that book where it I was. was like, holy cow. This is a person who has integrity and convictions based off of their own their own mind, mind and their own soul and what feels right to them. That they're not being told what's right. They, they're allowing their souls to be able to speak to them. Like, Huckleberry Finn is allowing himself to move in a space that... Society, convention, religion, government, all these big things are completely contrary. Mm-hmm. And like that that idea of all right, then I'll go to hell is like, yeah, it's that so powerful. Cuts deep. It does. And it, it, it like gives me some courage to be able to stand up for myself more because I'm not I don't think I'm a very bold person. Yeah, I think I am in private. I think I've got opinions, but <laughs> Uh-huh. I'm not very confrontational when people have those things. I am with my siblings, but I would I'm more worried about other people's feelings. Yeah. And I think I need to lean into that all right then I'll go to hell kind of thing and 
because there are things that are really important and things are getting scarier today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel very similar where I don't feel bold a lot and very much a people pleaser. Same. Trying to work on that. We're American women. Uh huh. (laughs) (laughs) And we're short. Short people are always people pleasers. Short people should all die, according to Randy Newman. So, short <laughs> yeah. people have yeah. no reason to. Yeah. Uh, I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. I brought up Randy Newman. Yeah. You're a people and pleaser. Bold. Bold. Yeah. If I could even have, like, an ounce of the boldness that Huckleberry Finn has, I think, um, I think that... Yeah, he's he very much has a mm-hmm. effort attitude. Yeah. And Jim, too, though. Like, Jim's so willing to share his life and to share what he's gone through. Like, Jim, whew, for someone with, like, carrying the experiences and the abuse that he's gone through, his willingness to, to partner up with Huckleberry mm-hmm. and to share with him about his family and all those things are, like, it's really beautiful. Like, Jim is a really beautiful human being. Yeah. And also very, like, has a lot of growth and a lot of, like, there's just so much between those two that I, like, their friendship is really beautiful and um, unassuming. And it's really cool. And you also see Huck, like, struggle with becoming bold. Like, because at first he's like, I am going to return, Jim. Mm-hmm. And you see that struggle and, you like, he's not, he is fallible and he makes mistakes and he does stupid things and he's a jerk of a kid sometimes Mm -hmm. but then like he so you see you see the growth and you see he becomes approachable and relatable at times yep and then you see him take that moment of courage and that's where it's like oh if he can do it then i can because he has made bigger mistakes than i've made Mm -hmm. and i really appreciate that mark twain didn't just give us this like perfect little hero boy yeah that's just walking through life and is like yes i already have this moral understanding because Mm -hmm. i've been on the outside looking in my whole life Mm -hmm. like his hero's journey is actually like nice yeah (laughs) yeah it's relatable yeah and um yeah it's just i think it's a beautiful book i think that everyone should read it and everyone should listen elijah would probably read it yeah, it was pretty good. I love that idea. Did he have a lot of accents? He did. Well, yeah, because of all oh, the phonetics. I love that. All the phonetic stuff. All of the dialects mm-hmm. happening. I love that. Yeah, 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Highly recommend. I agree. Yeah. But also, have that conversation about the N-word, because not enough white families, as a fellow white, not enough white families are having those conversations about the N-word. Not enough schools are having those conversations about the N-word with their students. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of white kids that think it's cool to say the n-word and they do not understand where it comes from what it means and why it is still it can be very traumatizing for the nervous systems of people of color Mm -hmm. and so yeah so we need to have those conversations and there's no excuse not to have that conversation especially today so yep agreed yeah i know too many white families and white girls and boys who don't know anything about it mm-hmm. you just flippantly so, throw it around yeah and it is disturbing actually yeah, yeah it's go. not cool um so there you go there you go thank of, you a lot of feelings a lot of feelings thank you uh thank you thank you thank you
This book is produced by us, Nicola Okorin and Eden Wen. Music written by me, Nicola Okorin, and produced and performed by my dad, Frank.